0: People aren't going to sit there and budge at it. You've continued to grow and expand in spite of it while
1: increasing profitability and increasing your personal income because yeah, of that. Yeah, and I don't want to I just want to touch on it real quick in case anybody's listening, where raising the prices isn't about price gouging the client. Like that's not the goal. It's about no. having the right price for the services that allows the owner of the business to be able to build the business as opposed to being a slave to the business. The reality is that alcoholism and drug abuse and these types of things in the legal industry are at an all-time high. Mental illness, depression, anxieties, are at an all-time high. Hey, everybody. Welcome to today's pod, Your Practice Master. We're proud to bring you this episode. My name is Richard James, and this is my co-host, MPS. MPS. He also happens to be my son. He's the better looking of the two of us. He's got hair. He makes this look a lot better. We're joined today by Jody Donato. Jody Donato is this previous year's EAY Entrepreneurial Attorney of the Year finalist. She has some amazing growth that she's gone through in 2022. We can't wait to talk to her about that. Jody, welcome to the show today.
2: Hi, Rich. Thanks. Hi, Mike.
1: Hey, Jody. So, Jody, we're going to talk today about you because this is going to, what we're goal, just so you know, is on on this pod is for us to be able to inspire that attorney that's out there listening and really come from the perspective if one man or woman can do this, another man or woman can do this. Does that make sense? Yes. So before we get started, maybe we'll start a little lightheartedly. Tell me something that you don't think anybody typically knows about you. What's something that nobody really knows about you? And you got to be careful what you're going to share, because this is going to go to millions of people. No, I'm just (laughs) kidding. No, but what would something be that people don't normally know about you?
2: So people that meet me would be shocked to know that in high school and probably until about I got out of law school, I was actually kind of on the shy side.
1: Really? Wow. I'm yeah. shocked to hear that too. I shy yeah.
2: in large crowds. I did not like walking into a large crowd alone. Yeah. If I went to well, an that- event with my mother, I walked in behind her.
0: Well, Jody, that's quite the transformation because I would not have pegged you as shy.
2: Yeah,
1: (laughs) Is it, is it, is it introvert versus extrovert, Jody? Like, do you not derive energy from people in crowds or is it just, you were, you just were shy and now you've come out of your shell and you now are an extrovert. Like, what do you think?
2: I think I was just afraid. Hmm. And I stopped being afraid. I used to be afraid, like being that person alone, wandering a room, not knowing anyone. You know, now I just walk up and talk to people. Yeah.
1: You know, I have noticed. Yes, that's what I love about you or one of the things <laughs> yeah. I love about you. Michael, do you remember what that acronym we used to say stood for fear?
0: Yeah, fear, false evidence appearing real.
1: Yeah, he remembers. These These are the lessons we had as young men when him and his brother were growing up in the house. So false evidence appearing real. So you you found out, Jody, that there was really nothing to be afraid of, right? The false evidence is you thought you had to be afraid, but then you realize there's nothing to be afraid of. Everybody's The, the real funny story behind it is everybody else is just as scared as you are, <laughs> <laughs> so that you just have to overcome that and then go talk to people and they're willing to talk to you. Is that right?
2: Pretty much. I mean, I got to the point where it's like, all right, if you don't want to talk to me or you don't like me, that's your choice.
1: Nice. (laughs) Yeah. My grandmother used to say that what people think about me is none of my damn business. Uh, So, okay. So we're going to break into this a little bit. I want to talk about, you know, this is a a business podcast. And so you, we consider you an entrepreneurial attorney. I want to talk a little bit about your journey. So how, how did you, how did you become, what did you, why did you decide to become an attorney? And, and, and then did you work for somebody else or did you open your shop up right away? And what did that journey look like to, to hanging your own shingle and becoming an entrepreneur?
2: So I actually wanted to be an attorney since I was 12 years old. And I used to follow all the criminal cases in the newspaper. And my plan was to become a big criminal law attorney and get all the criminals off scot-free. That was my goal. So I actually, after college, I was supposed to go to law school. I had taken a gap year and I was supposed to go to law school. And I was 21, 22, having a lot of fun with my friends (laughs) and I did not want to give that up. So I decided not to go to law school at that time. And I was working in the accounting field. And so in 1988, I had my oldest child, my first child. I was a single parent. I was working for a large car, car dealership here as the controller. I was doing very well. And that year on my birthday, my cousin looked at me and said, whatever happened with you going to law school? And I said, I can't go now. I'm too old. I was 25. (laughs) 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 But she got me thinking. Mm -hmm. So January of 1990, the same month my son turned two, I started law school. And I started out part-time nights, switched to full-time days, and I got out in two and a half years. Wow. I came out, I worked for, I got hired as a clerk for a firm while I was waiting for the bar exam results and all. And that's where I, you know, learned matrimonial, family law divorce in New York. And so that firm was not meant to be for me for long-term. And then I started working for another attorney per diem. And interestingly enough, his matrimonial person had just left to become a child support magistrate. And she was phenomenal. Cause I met her. She didn't know me, brought me a whole bunch of her books hmm. from there. I worked for someone else and I found out I was pregnant with my third child. And the same week I found out I was pregnant with my third child. That boss had all his bank accounts frozen and he was oh, facing a grievance. So I kind of had no choice but to go out on my own. I never thought I would be on my own. It wasn't something I planned. And I do remember that first year, the office manager who worked for my former employer said, you have to take out a yellow page ad. This is how far back we're going, guys.
1: Um, (laughs) Hey, hey, when I built the firm in Phoenix, the first ad I had was a yellow page ad. So you and I are in the same boat. We're uh, good.
2: So it was 1997. And, you know, the salesman comes in and it was like 300 and some odd dollars a month. And I don't even right. think it was over 350. And right. I looked at her and I'm like, oh, how do I pay that? And she <laughs> goes, you don't have a choice. You have to do it. And I said, okay. <laughs> and I listened to her and I, you know, I also learned at that job to track where all the referrals were coming from, things like that. Fast forward, I've been on my own ever since. And, you know, a few years ago, I learned about you and Partners Club, I thought it was your practice mastered, I thought it was a good program. But financially, I again went, you know, and I had no one to tell me I had to do it at that point. So <laughs> so I didn't. And then after COVID, I came back, I joined up. And yeah, I, I love having the accountability. It really helps.
0: So the the journey into law firm owner on entrepreneurship was a little bit of entrepreneurship out of necessity at the time. Yeah.
2: Correct. And, and honestly, when I first started, I, I didn't see myself as a business owner. Actually, I didn't see myself as a business owner for many, many years. You know, I, I saw myself as a self-employed attorney
0: <laughs>
2: and my, net profit reflected a self-employed attorney.
0: (laughs) I got to ask, that's how you saw yourself then? How do you see yourself now?
2: I am the owner of a law firm. How exciting. Okay.
1: okay, So backing up on that, when did that transition happen? Like how long did it take? We know how, I mean, you have been in practice for a while, but like, Okay. So admittedly, you didn't see yourself as the owner of a law firm when you started into our, world, or did you, did you see yourself as an owner of a law firm when you started in our world? And that's why you found in our world? Or was it in our world you saw, like, where was it that the aha moment came that you realized you were actually the owner of a law firm?
2: In in your world. When I joined your world. Because prior to that, you know, someone said, what did you do? I'm an attorney oh, who do you work for? I'm self-employed. I mean, that's what I said. I didn't say I have my own firm. It wasn't until I joined your world and it didn't take me that long to figure it out. I am a quick study, you know, so I I did figure out that, you know, hey, you know, this is a business and, you know, which seems ridiculous because my undergraduate degree was in business administration. So, I mean, I knew all the things I just saw myself as a professional person, not a business person.
1: Good. I think you're not alone in that, but, but okay. So now we're a business person. I want to, I'm going to take you to a darker place, right? So, <laughs> so cause I'm I scary. think that I think I, well, I think this helps people. I think this helps. Mm-hmm. People. So what did, what was your biggest entrepreneurial or business failure or setback that you saw in your journey to this point that, you, that you've learned from?
2: The biggest setback was the 08 crash.
1: Hmm. Okay. And And why why was that such a big deal? Like, what was it about that that hurt you?
2: Well, I remember come August of 08, I looked at my numbers. I hadn't looked at them that June because I had some other stuff going on. And I looked at them in August and almost had a heart attack because... I was nowhere near where I should have been from the prior year. And Mm -hmm. typically I would, you know, I always looked at my numbers, but June I would see where I was in June, project out, double that for the year. Now I'm in August and I was nowhere, you know, I I wasn't, if I doubled June, it still wasn't going to be anything good. (laughs) You know, and I think that had an effect on me because it took me a long time to bounce back from that. So I think mentally, it affected me instead of my, like, normal, all right, you know, like, pull up your pants and let's go kind of thing. You know, you know, now, if you fast forward to December of 2017, when the building I was in burned down, I was standing outside the building while the firemen were taking everything out of the building. And in my mind, I kept saying, all right, you have all these appointments tomorrow for will signings. Where are you going to do them? And in my brain, I was running through all the possibilities, the library, a diner, a restaurant, you know, my house if I had to. I had all these ideas running through my head. And a friend of mine told me about a friend of hers who had empty office space. So I was actually in there the next day, that day I sent out emails to everyone, listen, had a building fire, come to this address tomorrow to do your will signing. And, you know, I took my laptop from home, my printer from home, a folding table and, you know, but they had a conference room at least. So, you know, and I did, I must have like five wealth signings because it was Between Christmas and New Year's, and a lot of people take off that week, so they all scheduled their appointment. And I literally had back-to-back appointments, and I just went into survival mode.
0: Just pause for a moment, and let's talk about the adversity in this story so far. We had the 08-09 crisis, and then we rebound for a few years. 2017 hits, and the office building burns down. And then you come back up out of that, I'd say this is a pretty impressive story in adversity.
2: Yeah, well, and less than two weeks later, the temporary office that I was in had a flood. (laughs)
0: Let's pile it on.
2: (laughs) So 50% of what I saved in the fire, I lost in the flood. Oh no. And a friend of mine said it sounded like a country song. Uh, So (laughs) the only thing missing was alcohol. So I, you know, I said 50% of what I saved in the fire, I lost in the flood and I'm drowning my sorrows in a bottle of bud.
1: Oh, nice. <laughs> that's good. Uh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. and then
2: once I got into my current office, again with a folding table and home printer and laptop, I remember the first day I walked out and I shut the door. I looked at it and said, all right, I hope it's here when I come back tomorrow.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Okay, I started so you're- telling people that if I found leeches, I was moving to a cave.
1: <laughs> and and you would but here's what the interesting thing, Jody, is I now know about you, you would have found a way to make that work. Right. Mm-hmm. You you would have just sold it to cavemen, I guess. So like <laughs> you you no, but in all seriousness, like you, you we know you're resilient. That that has been proven through this story. And and you also, you know, you're you're quick Study based on what you said, and and I've experienced. And so now let's switch gears, see if we can give people the other side of this is, what is the moment in this journey that you feel like you experienced that biggest breakthrough moment? Like, when did that breakthrough moment happen when, you know, you're, you're, okay, you had the resilience, but then you, you, you learned something. What was that that broke you through that somebody else could benefit from hearing you tell them?
2: So for me, it was after I joined Partners Club and coming to my first event, Hmm. the amount of help that I got from the fellow Partners Club members, Hmm. and honestly, everyone telling me the same thing, that I had to fix my phones before I did anything else. And hiring, you know, I had the virtual receptionist, but they were really just taking messages and I was trying to return all the phone calls. Mm -hmm. So moving to giving them a script to use, breaking it all out, giving them the questions to ask, and then letting them set the appointments, which was very hard to give up control of. Mm -hmm. That was probably my biggest breakthrough because it freed up time for me to do other work and at the same time i had all these consults coming in hmm.
0: and that's and- a wonderful thing so you, you you were able to fix your phones by delegating yeah. right you, you were able to off offload it from your shoulders and give it to somebody else which allowed you to stack up a full calendar yes
2: Yes. And my, probably my biggest problem prior to that was, you know, I did have some staff over the years and, you know, I was that person who, and I know I'm not alone in this. who was like, oh my God, it's easier for me to just do it than to try to explain it to her,
0: <laughs>
2: you know? And now I realize that I'm one person. I can't do everything. And there are only 24 hours in a day. I haven't figured out how to put 36 hours in a day yet. So, you know, I am just one person with two hands. So, you know, I can't be on three phone calls at once. I can't be doing five jobs at the same time. And I did come to realize and accept that multitasking is a myth. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Unless it's a mundane task, like watching TV and folding laundry. But
1: sure. (laughs) But but you you just I want to unpack that real quick, because I think you said something really important. Michael said it, you delegated. And I think what I heard is, Jody, you stop doing or wearing the. $15, $20, $25 an hour hats, and you realized, look, your highest and best use was to be an an excellent attorney in a a biller of time, because that's your revenue producing opportunity. And Mm -hmm. so you, you started getting to the point where you were able to do more of your hourly billable work, which was maximizing your revenue and minimizing your work on all the other administrative stuff and phone stuff and sale itself, because you were having somebody else do that for you, correct? Correct. I mean, that, that, if if anybody's listening to that and they're in your boat, like, you know, by the way, size of your firm right now, you're still, uh, you know, a a smaller law firm with a few people, right?
2: Right. It's me. I have two people working for me, and then I have two per diems that I, you know, like not, well, yeah, per diems, I would call them off off site.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, we've, we've learned the art of uh, outsourcing and taking advantage of some global labor discounts that we've talked about through the years. And so that's good. And we are using trained individuals, but you, you, despite the smallness of your firm right now, which I love, it's a keep it keep it small, keep it all mentality. And we're going to talk about where you might be going, but you've really finished out 2022 strong. I mean, it was- yes, I did. Right? I mean, it was your best year ever, right?
2: Yes, absolutely. Best in 30, best in the last best. 10, best in the last three. <laughs>
1: Nice. <laughs> it's fantastic.
2: I, yeah, there, there's there's no doubt about it. And definitely delegating is the way to go. And I don't know if you remember me saying this, but having the accounting background, I like to do my own books. I have an accountant, but I like to do the day-to-day stuff. And mm. I am actually thinking about delegating that out.
0: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> a big I, moment that's here, a big
2: one because I've been Hallelujah. thinking about
0: it. I love it. About I love
1: it.
2: it. I enjoy yeah. it, but I've been thinking about it because I just don't have the time.
1: Yeah, I love messing with software too. But if I spend all my days messing with software, I'm like, my business isn't going to move, right? And I, I could build out <laughs> Infusionsoft or CRMs or whatever you want all day long, and I, and I did that for years, and I, I loved it, but but it didn't serve me. It didn't serve my business. I mean, there was a point at which it did, but then it stopped. And you may very, you're probably realizing right now you're starting to get to that point where it's no longer serving you. It's getting in the way of you doing other things that are revenue producing. So yeah, yes. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do you have a, do you have a success habit that you've turned to now to, to manage, you know, whether it's managing yourself or something you do daily or on a regular basis to try to help you grow in the right direction, stay on track?
2: I don't know that I would say I have a habit. Probably honestly, the biggest thing to keep me on track is, and like I said, I still there are times where I want to go do that because I know I could get it done in two seconds. Right. And I have to keep reminding myself, nope, leave it for Alyssa. (laughs)
1: Mm.
2: (laughs) You know So it's
1: it's just the discipline to not act.
2: Yes. Which is hard. Yeah. It's very hard.
0: Yeah. I, I I feel like that that's that whether we want to call it habit or not that 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 leads to some of the successful outcomes is the discipline that that habit produces.
1: Yeah. Well, I think Michael, you would admit that d- discipline has been the secret, you know, to your success at his young career as well, right? I mean, having the discipline to act or not act at times at things that you shouldn't yeah. be doing. It's, it's the key to the whole disciplines, the key, the glue that holds it all together. I think Jody. Cornerstone. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's the cornerstone that keeps the ball rolling forward. So, so Jody, what are you most excited about? What are you fired up about today? What are you looking forward towards? Whether it be your business or personal or both, but probably business if, since we're in that cycle, what, what are you excited about about your business?
2: I'm looking forward to freeing up more time with delegation So I can do more planning, more thoughts on marketing, because right now, all my marketing is organic. I don't have any paid marketing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, but I want to get to a point where I can comfortably take in the additional consults and clients before I branch out to paid marketing. Yeah. Because right now you want to build a
1: little bit of capacity.
2: Yes, because with my organic marketing, I, I am pretty busy. You know, I'm pretty booked. So if I could get to the point where I can get more time in the calendar.
1: <laughs> hey, by the way, did you, have you raised your prices along the way here?
2: Oh, absolutely.
1: Was that part of it? I mean, because you're on your own, right? So if you, you were probably, it's safe to say you were charging less, you know, years ago than you're charging now.
2: Oh, yeah, I was pretty much, my theory was stay in line with the people that are in my area, you know, people who I considered were like me. Mm-hmm. And so, and I would raise my rates over the years. I used to raise it like on the anniversary of my admission. Yeah. And like I said, I first looked into your practice master a couple of years back. And one of the things your rep told me at the end when I said, no, I can't do this right now, I'm too scared. He told me to raise my hourly rate at that time. And he had given me one number, I said, I can't do that. And he said, okay. So he changed it by $5 to 3.95 an hour. (laughs) He's like, okay. I was like, okay, I could do that. It wasn't easy, I did it. He also told me to raise my retainers, which that took me much longer to do. And I think it really is a mindset because prior to that, I felt like, how could I do that? I'm not one of these big firms, you know, and I think I wasn't placing enough value on what I do, what I know and who I am as an attorney. So I raised it then, then I raised it again before I before right around the time i came in and then last year i raised it again no last year or this year i can't remember no this year i went up this year because it's 30 years of practicing so i said i do it in february otherwise i'll forget when i do it
0: (laughs) and and jody correct me if i'm wrong here but you didn't have all of your prospects start saying oh i'm not going to work with her because she raised her prices in fact i'd argue you you've probably started to generate more clients, haven't you?
2: Oh, I definitely generated more income. And no, I've never had anyone say anything to me about the hourly rate. Maybe one or two have been like, oh, can you discount that at all? And I'll say, no, I'm sorry.
0: I love it. goes to show you can you can raise your prices. And as long as you got the right systems and structures in place, people aren't going to sit there and budge at it. You, you, you've continued to grow and expand in spite of it. while increasing profitability and increasing your personal income because of it. Yes. I
1: love it. Yeah, and I and I wanna I just want to touch on it real quick in case anybody's listening who where like raising the prices isn't about price gouging the client. Like that's not no. the goal. It's about having the right price The right price for the services that allows the owner of the business to be able to build the business as opposed to being a slave to the business. The the reality is, is that alcoholism and drug abuse and these types of things in the legal industry are are at an all time high. Mental illness, depression, anxieties are at an all time high. And and I don't want to say that profit is the, you know, lack of profit is the cause of it, but it's certainly a contributing factor. And so when you have enough profit in your business to be able to afford support staff, to help you take a lot of the stressful things off your table, you just get a better quality of life. Would you agree with that overall statement, Jody?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And and it also enables you to delegate tasks in your personal life as well. You know, Mm -hmm. 10 years ago, I was outside working on my own pool every summer. Right. I don't do that anymore. I have a weekly service. Ten years right. ago, I was trying to get the pool up and running and do all those things, and you know, fell in and got hurt and all that good stuff.
1: But, uh, I, I I'm laughing because I've done it and I've <laughs> fallen in. Doing it, yes. Yeah, so I can relate. <laughs> I was raised in Scranton, Pennsylvania. So first of all, we didn't have a pool. And anywhere we had a pool, the only way to swim in the pool was to take care of the pool. Right. And so and so, I could remember falling in as a kid. But right? here's or the question. Me. Did
2: you fall in with the cover on? <laughs> uh, no, I did not fall in with the cover uh, on. I was trying <laughs> to throw the pump in to clean the cover. And I went flying with the pump, uh, bit my arm. Uh, I looked like I was uh, beaten. I was so uh, bruised. Uh,
1: Oh, oh, oh man, that's da- that's actually dangerous. It was like you know? yes. I was, like, yeah, I was yeah. getting
2: caught up in the cover, but I was yeah. able to get yeah. to the side and get out of the uh, pool. Oh
1: my gosh! <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. So I've got a I got a question as we wrap it up. So this is gonna be, this is gonna serve two purposes, and Michael might have some comments on your answer. But one purpose is your younger self. And the other purpose. Per- Purposes for anybody that might be listening that might be in the similar boat as you so small and solo or or maybe have you a larger firm that is still struggling with with growth and profitability right now and they're learning from you what what's that a piece of advice you would give to your younger self simultaneously to somebody who's listening like there's no one answer to anything but what is that piece of advice you'd give your younger self
2: your business run it like a business stay on top of billing and collections. um, Run it like a business. It's a business.
1: I love it. It's not a job. It's a
2: business.
0: Well said. I think that's something I, you know, a lot of law firm owners or attorneys are in the process of developing that mindset. And, and I love that. I think that summarizes the whole thing for you, right? Mm -hmm. You you went from being an attorney to to an owner of a law firm.
1: Yeah, you went from, that's right, from being an attorney who happened to own a law firm to a a business owner who chose to have legal services as their business, right? Massive shift, paradigm shift in mindset. Speaking of paradigm shift in mindset, Michael, we figured out a while ago that while we're willing to do this and put the work in, we do want a little bit something in return from our listeners. What is that?
0: It's our gentleman's agreement. Look, if this is not your first time listening or watching the show, and this is more than the first and you're finding value from it, you're enjoying it, we invest our time, money and resources into this show. And all we ask for in return is that you take a moment, you like, you comment, give Jody props. She did a great job. Let us know if you have any questions for her. And then depending on where you're listening or watching, hitting that follow or subscribe button and turning those bell notifications on so you can continue watching or listening to more of these. We have fun making them. And we're glad that you're enjoying them.
1: Yeah, I agree. We, we love pouring in. We love having these guests. And speaking of which, Jody, thanks so much for sharing today. Hey, if anybody wanted to reach out to you, do you just want them to hit you up on Facebook or Instagram or go to your website? Like, what would you like them to do if they want to learn more about you or reach out to you in any way? Uh,
2: so my website is donatolawei.com. Okay. Or you can email me at jody at jodianddonatolaw.com.
1: Okay, great. We'll put those in the show notes for everybody. Are you active on social media at all? And, and I am. There or no?
2: I am. I believe my Twitter is Tanato Law. <laughs>
1: okay. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> I'm, well, but- I,
2: I'm not positive. I, I'm on yeah. Facebook, Donato Law, so you could find my my Facebook yeah. page that way.
1: No worries. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll find it for you and put it in the show notes and we'll make sure it's all linked, but, but thank you so much for, for sharing your inside baseball with all those who are out, out of the world. Appreciate you giving kudos into our world and partners club, but you, you know that how I feel about this, that we've talked to thousands of attorneys through the years and, and you had to do the work and you had to, you had to be the one that went out there and made it happen. And you did. And so congratulations to you on, on your growth. Thank
2: you, Rick. Thanks, Michael.
1: Thank you. Yeah, Michael, appreciate it. it was another good episode. I think we got some good things out of this. We got a couple of new headlines for everybody. I think it was a good call. Sure was. Great work, Jody. Thanks. All right, everybody. This was the pod. Have a great day.